I've got all this other gear in my studio, and it really like I shouldn't have it. I really shouldn't. But I want it. <laughs> but <laughs> like I have no. There's no real place for it in my setup. But every time I use it, I'm like, damn, that's kind of a cool beat. Like I kind of like this. Like so, I don't know. I've always kind of wanted an e synth, which was the keyboard version, not not the. Not the PK series, but the actual eSynth was a keyboard series that uses the same ROM cards as that, uh, but it can also do sampling. Hmm. And that was the one thing that that thing doesn't do that I always wished it would do was sample. So, oh wait, you can't sample with this? No, it's 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 a rompler. So it's oh, it's a really deep synthesis. It, it's kind of like it's almost like Omnisphere, but in a groove package. Hmm. Because it has like a shit ton of filters in it and effects and all this stuff, and you can really shape the sounds interestingly. But um, but it's just but it's a groove box. It's a it's a rompler, and the sound set in it is fantastic. Like yeah, I used to have the PK six keyboard, which was pretty much all the, the same. Yes, yeah, the same sound. Yeah, yeah, the keyboard version. They had so they had like a keyboard series. They had this drum machine series, like what you have. Then they had all the groove. And then they had series. the Proteus racks. Exactly, and then MoFat and yeah. all of that. So I had like the PK six. I remember when I got it with my MPC two thousand XL, and I was man, I was taking off work. <laughs> it was like, yo, I got this keyboard and the 2000 XL. I'm not going to work for two or three days. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Um, oh, I lost. Uh oh, lost sound. Why did I lose sound? Because you got too much stuff. That should be working. <laughs> I always fancy one of those Studio 440s with it's sequential. Oh, nice. Made one yeah. of those. I've had yeah, on my watch list for a while. Yeah, a friend of mine had one of those, and they were just really kind of they one of the first of that kind of thing. That sucks. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They were actually, but great fil- great filters on them. Mm-hmm. And actually, you can you know what this aftermarket thing has got things all crazy because you used to be able to find stuff like that for a little of nothing. Oh, I, I know it is. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now those prices are yeah, skyrocketing. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, yeah. oh, is it worth buying that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you. you yeah, you could have took a chance a while ago and kind of gone, oh, it's not for me, and pass it on. But, yeah, it's a big ton of money to drop if you're not going to use it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they are good. The filters, I mean, they're just sequential, great analog filters. So, mm-hmm. Hey, I'll be right back. Okay. Can you hear us, though, Ken? Yeah, yeah, I got it fixed. Okay, cool. Hey, We're going to go live power. in about two or three minutes. Yeah, I'm going to mute my mic. Okay. I'll, I'll be right back. Things so, like... Um, yeah, go for it. Even like the more recent, like the SP four hundred four, there's a bit of a resurgence in like UK hip hop guys using the four hundred four, and they're going oh, yeah. the roof again now. Um, just God, God knows why. Like they just seem way too overpriced at this point. Is anyone making like a new like eight bit sampler? Is anyone doing eight bit sampling oh. anymore? Well, yeah. go for it. I was just gonna say, uh, like. What's the status update on that on on Roland's successor to to that SB four hundred four? Because last I heard, you know, a nam ago, people were talking rumors and stuff about the newest, you know, sample DNA or sound DNA, whatever you call the the tech in mm-hmm. in the 
There was a lot of that talk, man, but it never materialized. And I've even gotten to a point where I think I'm just kind of jaded to think about like, oh, so you guys have, okay, Roland, you're doing the sampler, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're going to ruin it. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? And and my hopes were high, especially they were talking about all this stuff that they were planning on doing. And I don't know where those rumors came from, how official or unofficial they were, but yeah, I was excited about that, the possibilities, but it doesn't seem like they're ever really going to do that. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, though, I can say is a couple weeks ago we had um, Blake. I can't think of his last name, but Blake from Yamaha. was Yeah, yeah and he was talking about. So I think one of the things we probably would what he said is probably what a lot of the other big companies are thinking like if these if if the uh if the new npc boxes do well then they'll probably see that there's a market for that and start getting into it again um i kind of mm-hmm. think that's what everybody's kind of waiting on but i mean i mm-hmm. think there's a market regardless it, it just depends oh yeah all the companies have kind of dried it up <laughs> you know yeah yeah, those new NPC boxes, I would have really liked to see on their live version some CV in and out on that one, just for people to take. I, I, I think they really dropped the ball on that. I think it's a great product, but, mm-hmm. you know, they don't have to have as much as, like, the main studio one, but at least one just yeah. to interface with your, yeah, with your kind of live gear because it is a live instrument, yeah. I, I definitely think that's a miss. It is. It's a yeah. huge miss. Um, yeah. And I don't, I don't know that it would have killed the price point too much to have just a couple of them on there. I can't see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess you could just always get a yarns or something and just mm-hmm. do MIDI, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Jack, but, but, but you're right. It would have been really nice to have had natively just, at least one yeah. CV, one gate. Mm-hmm. And I'm, yeah, I'm, exactly. And then from and then from that, you can kind of divide it, multiply it, do whatever you want out out of that. But yeah, I think I think that's a real mess. Is that for a live device where you're going to interface, you know, interface it with other products? Um, yeah, I think I didn't get the reasoning behind that. Yeah. Oh, I don't know the I don't know the thought process behind that either. And I've actually thought about it and and even asked about it. I don't really get answers about that kind of thing. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's a shame. But hey, Ken, you back with us? Can you hear? Oh, I'm so back with you. Oh, great. <laughs> you lost the Rome. <laughs> I don't know what's happening with uh, Greg from our side. He was logging in like five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, Want to give him a just little bit? It's, it's all good. Uh, yeah, give him a minute or two. Let's see if he... Um... Yeah, it's all good. Yeah, so... And I have been... And some of y'all, if you see me on Instagram, pardon my flooding your your timelines with uh, MPCX videos, but it's becoming a part of my <laughs> my rig. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that that looks it's, it's looks a pretty great. dope machine, man. It's huge. Mm-hmm. It is huge. Yes. Yeah. Um, if I could, if you all could see this, I don't know if you can. Let's see if I can tilt that down a little bit. Is the CV out on that thing? Just clocks and gates, or is it pitch as well? And uh, it is Greg. Okay. Yeah, it's pitch. It does pitch, and it'll do uh, gate. Yeah, pitch and gate. Right. It's assignable to whichever ones you want to do. Bam. Yeah, uh, Greg. All right, guys. All right, there. Hey, Sorry about that. Man. No cotton traffic. Oh, <laughs> So uh, let's uh, let's uh, 
go live and get the conversation started. Let's see if I got cool. Got bourbon time. Uh oh, bourbon time. Coffee, <laughs> coffee time for me. It's a bit early for bourbon time, isn't it? Shut your face. Ah. <laughs> what kind of talk is that? <laughs> How dare you? Yeah. Yeah. All right, Lil, I'm going to go live here. I've got, I've got chilled Chardonnay, so I'm, I'll jump in with that later. <laughs> oh, I, I'll put my pinky out. That's what Ken's thinking. Ken's is like, it's 7 p.m. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's his excuse. Yeah, no doubt. Hey, welcome. We are live on the um, Beat People podcast. Um, we got Modular Podcast joining us, and uh, we got my man Lee joining us. So let's uh, go around and just say what's up to everybody. Yo, what's up, Greg? Welcome to the show, man. Hey, Dan, Corey. All right, all right. Good to have you, man. Yeah, cool, cool. Looking forward to it. Yeah, no doubt. Kenneth, uh, oh, excuse me, oh. Flux. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I got so many names. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm no. Oh, I was going to make a really bad joke. Let me not. Let me not go there at all. Um, yeah, man. Uh, good to be on the show again. Uh, and uh, this is this is really cool because we get to have. Uh, it's kind of like a combination of like three different podcasts all in one, which yeah. is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're all we're all pretty good friends and everything. So I'm looking forward to. the to the discussion and then of course right after this show quick plug i have my show uh synth summit show is is happening right after this one um so we'll be talking about that little hive synthesizer so watch out for that too but oh you got a busy day today oh it's a very busy day word yo what's up lee hey not much thanks for having me Corey. yeah good to have you on the show man yeah, glad I could be here. Uh, I feel like I, I missed the last last two or three of them by about like thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Every now and then we'll have uh, somebody jump on in the last five minutes, and we're like, "Hey, what's up, man? Welcome to the show." Okay, peace, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> That's usually Sam. <laughs> so, no, yet it is Sam. Usually, <laughs> yo. Yeah. Okay, let's go around the the, the 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 the. Hey, Matthew, what's going on, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm getting super excited for Super Booth, which we're all headed off for in Germany. Oh, in man. a few days. Very cool. I wish I could be there. Yeah. I've never been oh. to. Well, I've never been to Germany, and so obviously I've never been to Super Booth. I'm gonna have to change that all that someday. Oh, you must. Yeah, it's fantastic. We we were all calling it last year like it was the Woodstock of modular. Hmm. You know, it was one of those you had to have been there kind of thing. So oh. yeah, really looking forward to that. That's dope. Now I got to figure out a reason to, I got to have a, a reason to get out there, which, you know, it is a business justification. I just got to plan for it because you know, with one of, yeah, one yeah. of those things, I'm always looking forward to Nam. Uh, then I'm, yeah. I'm in California. Right. But then when it comes yeah, to things that are not near me, I don't think about it until it's almost on it. It's like, you got to plan yeah, for those yeah. things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have no doubt. And we got, uh, what's going on, Ben div kid. Yeah. All good. Um, just a mirror, the same feelings as you guys coming over here when I see Nam or Nobcon. <laughs> yeah. A big meeting in Atlanta that's just gone on. Um, love to come, but like a trip, you're looking about a grand a flight, depending <laughs> on where we go from the UK to the US. So, it's yeah, it's got to make, yeah, it's got to make some business sense. Yeah, um, exactly. But yeah, all good. 
Yeah, good to have y'all on the show, man. This is, I know we've been talking about doing this for a while and uh, we finally got around to doing it and we're going to do, like you said earlier, Ben, the flip side where we come and join you guys' show and, you know, yep. talk about some things. Um, so, yeah, it's good to be able to do this. It's a dope mashup. But, uh, yeah. so, yo, let's let's get into some of these, these topics that, <clears throat> um, some of the things, it seems like I'm always talking about lately with uh, Lee and and Ken and a couple other people about samplers and Eurorack. And, you know, anybody that knows me knows I love my MPC and, you know, I definitely get down with Push 2 and all those different things. And my my entry into music is as an MC and with sample-based music and hip-hop. So now that I've been doing Modular over the last year or so, uh, I've always thought like, I don't know about samplers and Eurorack, man. But I think it's because I'm thinking very traditional in a sense, yeah. right? So um, I don't know what you guys think about samplers and Eurorack. Is is that something that you guys are into or like what's the pieces to watch out there? I think uh, for me, just to jump in, you've got to, at the minute, pick what it is you want to do and run a sort of smaller contained version of what your potential idea, not that the musical output's as restricted, but a, a restricted version of what you want to do with samples. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a few that all do things differently and do them well, but there isn't like a really cohesive sampler. That's uh, that my, my whole outlook on it is, um, so like when I first got into modular and, and the phonogene had come out, um, I was like, oh, that's that's what I want. I want sampling in, in there so that I can, you know, mangle samples up and do, you know, really wild stuff with the CV. And then I still have, you know, I can still pass it through analog filters and, you know, do that kind of stuff, um, which is um, really useful, especially with like you can have separate bit crushers and sample rate reducers, separate types of distortion, overdrive, all these different characteristics. You can kind of build. Um, that sampler sound that that you could envision in your head. Um, but what I ended up coming to the realization is that I prefer it for very specific tasks, for very specific, like usually rather esoteric, like kind of strange, breaking apart samples and doing things in different ways. Um, hmm. I used, like the very first thing I did with the phonogene was I threw the Amen break in it and I had it sliced up you know and and just let it go nuts like that's the obligatory you you yeah 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 exactly (laughs) exactly that was the very first thing that i did and i was like okay this is the you know obvious like almost cliche way of using it you know what i mean like this is like okay you you just have to do that if you don't do that then you don't know what the hell you're talking about so i did that and then i started thinking about okay well now i want to play with the ways of having uh record triggered off of cv and you know having it do strange looping like it like self-replicating loops and that kind of stuff and granular synthesis but the problem that i always kept coming back to was that i couldn't really store what i was doing and uh it, it was very much recorded in that take and then it was pretty much going for forever which is cool in its own right um but I found myself wanting to do way more for the cost of how much these samplers cost. Like I wanted to just be able to utilize way more. And I come from that background of NPCs and, you know, ASRs and and that sort of thing where for not much money, you can do a ton, you know? Mm -hmm. So 
the the goal would be like CV control over every parameter that I could possibly want of something like machine or an MPC or MV88000, you know, all that kind of stuff. I want CV control over everything. But what about something like Bitbox though, right? So Bitbox seems to, and, and mind you, I don't know a ton about like Bitbox except for, you know, I've watched some videos and, you know, kind of touched it a couple of times at NAM or Perfect Circuit Audio, but it has a lot of CV control over a ton of different things. Um, Bitbox ER301 has come ER301 is another major one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say the 301. I think maybe the only one. I mean, that thing, what's that, like 16 in and outs, something like that? What, the ER? Yeah, the sound card. Well, you have, you have 12 inputs and you have uh, four outputs that you can uh, stereo link. But then there's, isn't there like an A through D set of inputs or something as well? Uh, you might be right there. Yeah. And eight, um, in fact, I, I thought that was all assignable, um, like inputs that you can record sequences uh, or, or, um, yeah, basically you would have control over your parameters, that bottom right hand section there. And then your main mm-hmm. outputs are actually going to be on the, on the top section of that, where you have those link buttons that you can do stereo chaining. Yeah. Can the bottom right ins and outs also be audio as well as CV? Uh, that's correct. I believe that's yeah. correct. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure that you can you can run effects uh, or run audio links into uh, the the bottom right hand section, and uh, depending on what your your settings are for the channel, apply uh, delay and um, and certain effects. That yeah. I think there's a there's a reverb algorithm being worked on. There's a there's a heavy list of, of to dos on that. Oh yeah, that dude is constantly working on like stuff. Mm-hmm. That, you know what I'm concerned about though with the ER301. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> so the ER301 is deep, right? And uh-huh. the dude mm-hmm. is developing a ton of stuff for it. But I mean, what do you guys think though? Is it, it, it I don't know about Say the like, word. You can't make it the everything machine, right? Say and, say the word, Corey. I know you want to say it. Well, I got it. Well, I, I mean, I gotta, what the menu diving? <laughs> There it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really with all the menu diving. I, I don't know about that. Uh, that's That can be a turnoff when it's too much. I don't mind going into menu for a little something here and there, but um, yeah, I don't know about that much menu. I think that's the major difference between something like, um, you know, something like a phonogene or morphogene and something like a 301 or I, I haven't used the Bitbox and I haven't really watched too much on how that works, mm-hmm. but I think that's, a major difference because even if you look at like an MPC, right, which does sampling really well, people are really familiar with it. If you were to give that to a modular guy who's never used a, a sampler, like a desktop sampler before, he would pull his teeth out just in frustration because it's all menu diving. Like an MPC is the menu dive champion. You know what I mean? Like it's all menu diving. So mm-hmm. if you're going to do that in Euro and you want something that, is like a complete solution it would be the size of my entire rack you know what i mean like you would have to have so many parameters that would be controllable um you know if if you're going to do especially if you're going to do more than one voice you know i think the way that um if you look at the sort of the design paradigm up to this point of samplers within euro they're very much for as a sound design tool yeah. Whereas obviously the NPCs, et cetera, et cetera, are sampling and organizing tools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's almost yeah. like you need 
what the forte of the Eurorack samplers are is quickly manipulate and mangle samples. But then yeah. you also want you then want to sample the samples that you've just kind of manipulated. But that's I think that's the beauty of you know I don't think someone should be trying to make some. NPC Eurorack equivalent. It's like that'd be ridiculous. It's almost like to embrace the sound manipulation properties of the Euro and then organize organize it elsewhere. You know, because you can just do it so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's why that's where it gets really interesting when you see something like the MPC X with the C V built in, because then you start seeing things where you're letting the MPC do what it does best, but you're yeah. also able to integrate your C V and whatnot. Um yeah. I've been using the well, I don't have it in there now. I'll put it in a different rack, but that ES eight, um, I've been using that in conjunction with machine and you know like the writing is on the wall for, for a deeper integration there, but man, like that's, it's so cool when you can set up like reactor and have reactor doing all this stuff. You can have samples going in and out and, you know, being controlled, starting endpoints, um, you know, green size, all this kind of stuff directly from my modular, you know, and basically once I set up a template, I, you know, I set that up and then I can set up like a mapping on either a machine or on, push to or any one of my MIDI controllers and really I don't have to touch the mouse at all. I can still control yeah. the parameters of the software that I need to, but I can control it all right from, from the modular, which is awesome. Mm. I've been using the ESA a lot lately as well. And I've had it clocked with Ableton and used Ableton simpler with that because it's all clocked and it's all in time. You can pull samples straight from your modular because you're recording it straight into the ESA as well. Mm. It's all clocked from the ESA, and then you can just fire it back and keep loops going in real time. That's what's up. Dope. And that, the, see, that's the that's what's dope. The integration of something like the Expert Sleepers ESA, for those that don't know, right, there's uh, interfaces. So, <clears throat> all right, there's uh, tons of sequences and samples you can have in your, your rack, but then there's interfaces by Expert Sleepers that will allow you tight integration between your Euro rack and your DAW, your, um, you know, your machine users and all those different kinds of things. Um, so I think that's probably one of the best solutions to be able to have that kind of integration out here at this point. And uh, to speak to what I, I can't remember which one of you all said it, but uh, uh, I think it was maybe Matthew uh, where you mentioned about you know, something to the point of, you know, when you got those samplers, it's meant to be what it's meant to be. It's not necessarily meant to be what like an NPC is meant to be. Yeah. So you learn mm -hmm. at that point that you have to kind of you. So I'll admittedly, that's one of the things that I struggle with mentally when I think sampler. I'm almost like, call it something else. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. But, but at the same time, what I do know, it's a sampler in your rack. So that's a bit different. And honestly, I've been really kind of smitten over the morphogene and I like that yeah. for reasons that you know, those are things that I don't do in an MPC and I, you know, necessarily yeah. can't do in an MPC. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And for me, it's like, it, it seems pointless trying to replicate those kind of things. It's just yeah. like, it should be embraced the immediacy of what the modular realm gives you, you know, Absolutely. that you can control things over CV. It's like, it's the unpredictability yes. that always attracts me to that particular area, you know, because, you know, every time you fire it up, you boot it up, it will do something slightly different or it will do something completely different. And that's a bit that should be embraced as well as, other equipment that when you do turn it on, it does do exactly the same thing right. as the last time. That's also good. 
But I just think it's when you try to push one into the other's realm, it's almost like I always find, well, what's the point? What's the point? That's true. And so, you know, that's the thing. Actually, that's what I love about modular in general. Like just the, the, the idea that it may not do exactly the same thing that you did last time. You may not be able to get exactly to what you did the previous time. Mm. So, you know, I think that is what's dope about it. And I got to say that the, uh, the, the kind of dreamy stuff that I've been hearing people make with Morphogene and the granular stuff that it can do. Uh, what's some mm. of the improvements that Morphogene has over the first, the, the phonogene? phonogene? Well, it, you say it's much higher quality, basically. Much which is a major thing because that was, yeah. that was another thing for me that like, you know, I had it and I want to say, you know, don't kill me if I'm wrong, but I want to say it's it somewhere between five and six hundred dollars for the phonogene um, when I had it, at least. And it was yeah. like I was getting really like lo-fi is great when you want it and horrible when you don't. Um, and <laughs> there there was a point where I, I kept feeling like, OK, I spent all this money to do this. And I'm like, man, it just felt so um so niche and so lo-fi that like I loved it for what I was doing. I used it for specific projects, but beyond that, I was like, I can't justify it. Like I was just like it, you know, it, the, the low fidelity of it and whatnot, I just couldn't justify keeping it. And I was using it as um, there's, I don't know if it's a hidden mode or whatever, but there's like a live loop mode in it where it's yeah, like broke, live, broken echo. Mm-hmm. That is the mode that I used it yeah. more often than anything else. And I, it's like, a, it. it's like a sound on sound tape emulation. Yeah, And then, oh. but once I got clouds, you can do a very similar sort of thing with clouds if you set it up. Right. And I was like, wow like you know i i found myself i had two clouds and i was like well i'm just using it as an echo more than anything else i can't justify keeping it if if that's all i'm doing with it which it can do a lot more and be a lot more fun but what what are some of the other improvements with the phonogene the time or, lag, uh, morphogene i mean the time lag accumulation is a new addition uh to the morphogene which is which kind of builds on that concept uh and being uh, touching on what we were just talking about before about the high the, the higher quality uh, it just it sounds phenomenal. I mean, imagine imagine having a high quality phonogene in stereo. Hmm. Yeah, you know, having fun with with uh, with your broken echo mode. It's 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 really kind of unreal. Uh, can you make left and right channel do separate things, or like, can you make? Oh yeah, like- well, and morph does a lot of the heavy lifting for you. Um, the, when you start turning morph up um, past, I believe, like one o'clock, it might be a little further than that, but it's. You start getting random pitching and panning um, that's happening between the the channels, um, or pitching up rather, uh, and it starts layering multiple instances, multiple genes on top of each other. It just it sounds really lush. It's an easy way of just turning one knob with no modulation applied at all and getting some really uh, interesting musical results out of it. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm a- in that regard, uh, yeah. Sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, I'm a massive fan of the time lag accumulator effect. If people don't know what that is, go check that out. It's basically, he didn't start it, but he certainly was really good at using it, which was Brian Eno. If you want to, if you want to hear a piece that he did that really is using that to its nth degree, is uh, discrete music. It's basically where he took two reel-to-reel tape decks and fed the tape for one of the reel-to-reels, rather than going on to the second spool, they took it to another machine mm. round that spool, and then the distance, the gap between them is the delay. Yeah, yeah, that's really um, cool stuff. Yeah, it's oh, great. 
And that was one of the reasons why I love the phonogene was, you know, doing because you can really treat audio as like a linear stream that you're just mangling and messing yeah. with and having fun with um, and using your CV to do that. And it's, it's fantastic for that. I got one of these. Um, uh, I had to find it. Okay. Um, <laughs> I got, the I got one of those. Stash, eh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got, I got this cool like field recorder tape recorder. Right. And my plan is, uh, I had planned to already have enough time to do it, but apparently I'm busy. Um, I wanted to CV uh, control the tape on it, you know, and it's actually really similar to what the phonogene does, but the phonogene goes a step further with the slicing and the the granular aspects of it, which is really fun. Um, With the SD card on the morphogene, um, will it save slice points as well? Yes, it'll save slice points. And actually, if you have Reaper, you can insert slice points uh, yourself uh, with software and, and export. Uh, what, what format is that? Like that it's, it's saving? A, it's a wave, but it's different than Audacity, which uses markers that are a little different. Mm-hmm. I believe they're like embedding at the beginning of the header, maybe, or something with, with Audacity. So you're not going to be able to place stuff with that but if you yeah, i'm just reaper, wondering if, if reaper is the only doll that you can do that with or you or if you can use like studio one or whatever else like because i have reaper yeah. but i don't use it very much but i do uh i i'm just more comfortable with studio one let me put it that way i think studio one it'll work i'm not i'm not positive on that we we haven't tested a whole lot of different uh that's mm-hmm. a question definitely for tony though he, he'll be able to get back to you or walker okay um, i think yeah, that's that's a major that's software? a major upgrade though just being able to store that kind of stuff because yeah. the phonogene it was like you know it i if i recall you could shut it off and turn it back on and you'd be back where you were with with yeah. that sample but mm-hmm. beyond that you didn't really have much storage and there were so many samples that i wanted to pull in from my library as a sound designer but it was more like you had to sample it on the fly to get it in there whereas now mm-hmm. you can put it on an sd card and bring it in that's huge Oh, so wait. And the other thing is, too, though, you can um, be playing your your sample or your reel from the the morphogene, but you can also record what the the, you know, manipulations that you do too, right? Okay, Mm -hmm. that's right. You can record that to a new reel or to the end of your current reel. Dope. That's really dope. I don't like this show. This this is not good. Because <laughs> the wallet is screaming foul yeah. right now. I guess I should go ahead and say, like, I work for Make Noise, like, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. But, my, uh, but I mostly put knobs on stuff and calibrating tests, and my opinions are definitely... Uh, my own. I don't speak for make noise. <laughs> no yeah. when I, I don't want to mess up and say something about the morphogene here that turns people off and get in trouble now. So, <laughs> no, <I'm not>. okay. <laughs> so what no, I mean, I'm going to say it's back to just, you know, before we move on from like, obviously there's other modules out there other than the phonogene or the yeah. morphogene. But what I do like about the phonogene itself is you've got to approach things like when I first got it, it wasn't doing the things that I wanted to do but then i thought hang on no this is the wrong way i want to kind of let this dictate it to me and i love all the parts of it now that where when you try and enter manually the slice points they're never where you where you actually want them but that's and i love that fact yeah it's not like it's an error it's just like it's just probably me where i'm trying to put them but i'm I'm just gonna say it 
I'm gonna I'm gonna be the jerk and just say it's definitely you. Cause like on the phone, Gene, <laughs> well, like keep in mind, like I, I, I'm a finger drummer. So like, yeah. you know, and, and I've been using this stuff like in that method for a very long time in a yeah. very specific way. But like, I found that on the phone, Gene, when I was slicing stuff, like I was able to really get it. Like, and, and that's the other thing is like a lot of the older samplers that I really love are the ones that, you know, don't have a waveform display like the ASRX um, right. and the MPC exactly. 3000 mm-hmm. where you you use your ears. You know what I mean? Yeah. You get these kind of dirty samples, you know, meaning like you're you're catching a little bit of the of the air before the sample or you're catching a little bit late and, and cutting yeah, that's the, the kind of thing I mean, just getting you know? that little bit. Yeah, yeah. And, and an accident at the beginning. I, I love that. Yeah. And, and then also the thing I really liked about the the phonogene, um, because I, I have I have two phonogenes uh that I use for stereo splicing. Um but it, but one of the things I figured out early on was like being able to crank uh, the gene size so your gene its size is really small and then using slide to just go backwards yeah, yeah. Through the loop and then just hear every little transient and know exactly where you're mm. going to be placing one of those that's a really handy way of doing it too to get it more precise but to, to matthew's point i it's always better to me especially now that i'm using two of them like one for left channel audio and one for the right yeah to to mult it and just tap uh with yeah. the pressure points to set to set my spots my my splices yeah, it's probably that. Just- yeah, exactly. It's probably like back to his point there. It's I, about not having a waveform display mm-hmm. it, because you would normally go, "All oh, right, that's the beginning of the transient. Let's go right up to there, smack." Yeah, exactly. That's a nice clean end. Where this, you are getting like that space before and things, and yeah, just happy accidents with it rather than being so clinical. And well, to me, that's that's part of the the, the cru- crucial part to hip hop and and what I do with the with the modular in general is just all about those happy accidents. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah. And all the sort of music concrete and tape manipulation, all where yeah. all the ideas are based as well. Like, there's no grid on a reel of tape. You know, you can't go like, right. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can get good at it, but it's, it's hard and there's no visual. And so I think it's interesting. I mean, for me, the modular, I'm like you, Corey, I don't want a menu dive. Yeah. Even if I don't want to go on the computer, I'm sure all of us are fluent enough to do stuff fairly quickly on whatever DAW we use. Whether we want is a different thing because we've all got gear and whatever. Mm-hmm. But just, I'll turn the laptop on if, I, if yeah. I've got a really specific task. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think the modular for me still, I think the morphogene's changing this in the way that that SD card slot can pull so much stuff in and be recallable but still have the happy accident side of the phonogene. Yeah. But I think it's for me the modular is better seen as an audio buffer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In terms of the samples, a bit like what Ken was saying is just treat it as this sampler is this window in time. Yes. Yeah. Either a live yeah. performance or a studio performance that you capture and then manipulate somewhere else. Like Matthew said, take away the organizing and all the like production side and just this sampler offers me X amount of tracks, X amount of time, whatever um, processing. And that's it. And I find that really exciting. So it then just becomes another thing that's gone when I turn it off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you what do you think about the um so like the bit box, right? It's got like a what is it, like a four by four grid on it, right? And yeah. um from what I understand, it kind of works almost like Ableton Live clip triggering. Um 
have you guys have any of you had any experience at all with the bitbox because like i don't know i don't know the guys that make it i haven't talked to any of them and i haven't really seen a whole heck of a lot on it i saw like maybe just a few demos here and there i've not seen anything at all with it other than the nam stuff looks great and i have a friend that texts me twice a week if not more oh man i've just seen someone do this of it this is the module this is the module this is the module. <laughs> well that's a, it, it's funny because it's, it's just like the 301 you know i get i get the same messages about 301 and then i get people saying oh but you know it does this that and the third these things are so personal like yeah. it, it's mm-hmm. such a it's definitely sampling is a really personal thing like almost like how some guys will love one filter and hate another filter, you know, when it's the reverse for other people. Um, Samplers are kind of the same way in that how we all want to use samplers in our modular can be so vastly different. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Bitbox though, I mean, it's half the price of a 301 for a start. Probably does half the amount of stuff and, and less with the development that orthogonal devices are doing. But that looks like a more streamlined experience still. Yeah. It doesn't look this whole like just we'll do everything under the sun computer in a module kind of thing. Um and there's the alternate firmware for that as well. It almost looks like um Is that the uh is that like a sequence or effect thing? It's an effect thing, isn't it? It looks like effect tricks from Sugar Bites. Yeah, you know, the effect oh that one, yeah. I've seen that, yeah. So that's an old firmware, and I think there's a third firmware as well. Oh really? Sorry. See, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know that that was all same hard. Like I knew it looked like the same platform, but I wasn't sure if it was an open source thing or what. You know what? I was. I didn't. I was thinking about that too because I saw them at Nam. Because the there was like Bitbox, Effectsbox, and another one, and I didn't know if it was just different firmware and a different faceplate because it literally had it written on the faceplate, or if mm-hmm. it was just a different piece altogether. They're making panels. Yeah, I think they are going to be old. I think it's um. Dark Place manufacturing Aleko that are making these, if I remember right. Yeah. I think they are going to sell them separately, but it is just a panel and firmware. Okay, interesting. That's got an micro SD on as well um, All right. for samples and for the effects. So again, a bit like the Morphogene, it is just crossing into that, you know, maybe bring some pre-prepared material as well as mm-hmm. the direct. <laughs> The other thing that I guess that uh, that I'd like to see more of, and I've, I saw I've seen one video that they posted uh, about the Bitbox's splicing capabilities, but that seemed like a, a workflow nightmare to me a little bit. Um, right. And I I sample a lot from vinyl, um, and that's something that's that that's been difficult to do with other manufacturer samplers. I feel like until very recently, this generation of Eurorack samplers actually are samplers and not just sample players. Like I had the radio music yeah. thing, um, mess around with that eight act. That thing is awesome. But, but yeah, they don't have, in, they didn't have inputs, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the Qubit Nebula is another one that doesn't have an input. So it's just, just a yeah. player. Um, and I think that would be one of my frustrations with the Bitbox. Um, it would be that I wouldn't be able to, to get something good going quickly with sampling yeah. from vinyl. And Are you I saying that it's not an actual sampler? It's just a sample um, playback? Sample no, no, it's a, it's a, I believe that you can actually sample with it, but if it takes too long for you to actually like, if it, to dive it in, in there and, and then truncate and then, it and, and get the slight, right, exactly. If the chopping process is la- is labor intensive, then nine times out of 10, what, if I own that module, I would go to my computer and do it. Yeah. And, I'm always, I'm always cautious about workflow point? with samplers too, because 
mm-hmm. because it's such a personal thing and it can be so varied and different, um, the designers tend to design things pretty differently and in different ways. Uh, I remember um, I'm fortunate enough to to be a member of the machine team. And uh, when I was working with that in the so early stages... <laughs> we can have discussions about that later uh, but um the the original version didn't even have a truncate in it like it mm. literally wasn't there and you would think like well this is obvious but the thing is is that people use these in such different ways that what might be an obvious workflow to one person is an obtuse workflow to another you know right so whereas you know and I'm not speaking directly about BitBox here. I, I want to preface that. But when I say, um, you know, they may have a, have methods of working with samples, organization, um, ways of uh, editing the sample, ways of playing back the sample, meaning like forward, reverse, forward and reverse looping, uh, granular, all these different things that one person might say, hey, well, this it has to do this, you know. And the other people might be like, well, that's not exactly what I intended it for at all. And I think that's where things like the, the phonogene, morphogene, um, time safari, uh, you know, these other, um, you know, modular samplers come in because, you know, something like a like a phonogene and a time safari are way more focused. You know what I mean? Like you, you do have a, a fairly focused and even with that focused outlook, you still have way different methods that you can use them you know like you can really go left and right but then you have something like a 301 and the bit box and you're like well these things can do so much it's like you have to really scratch your head and say well what is it that i'm really trying to do before you even get it you know yeah yeah or maybe get it and then figure out well what's the workflow that works for me without any pretense you know without saying i want it to do this instead get it and then say okay it allows me to do this easily. That's it. That's it. It's forget everything. No pretenses. Forget everything else that you thought this should be about. You get that and let it be what it is. That's that's the gift yeah. in, in yeah. modular. Um, so, OK, so we spoke about the the bit box and a couple other things. But who who's who's uh, got the um, the assimilator in mind? Anybody looking forward to checking that out? I already know Ken's probably going to dance over there about that. <laughs> I've got, I've, I've pulled up loads of stuff off modular grid to potentially talk about. Um, in fact, I'll replace my uh, face with an image of that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the things I'm looking forward to um, chatting yeah. to those guys Super Booth about. Because um, they said audio rate phase modulation yep. on the inputs. Um so like it sort of rings DX7 over audio samples in my mind because mm-hmm. yeah. that means rather than FM modulation. Um, not that we're all going to make cheesy eighties piano sounds, but <laughs> but well, yeah. hey, hold on. before you go saying that, you might want to remember that like that that vape music and whatever is in style now. So like that 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 cheesy eighties sound is no longer considered cheesy eighties. And it's, no, it's no, now no, like no the new wave of music. Yeah. No. I've got a sick bed one. I've got the phase distortion down. If anyone wants to start a vaporwave band, <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah. Like, you know what? You bring up a really great point because I mean, it's right in the name, you know, it's a phase modulation sampler. So 
to me, it's like you can come at it with this this preloaded notion that, okay, well, it's the guy who made the SP-1200. You know, it's the guy who made the e-synth sampler. That's and this what a and lot that. of people are coming towards. coming. And at I don't think thought. it's going to be that at all. Like, I don't I think it's going to be something mm. totally different. Um, so yeah. I'm really interested to see what it actually is, but I'm not going to prejudge it beforehand because I have a feeling that it's not going to be what a lot of people are expecting. Mm. Well, it made me think, the first thing as well made me think, you know, that's potentially just the start and the end points. So to have mm-hmm. modulation, if it's granular, and you can put some sort of random spread on the start and end to get that, like, smeared granular cloud effect, mm-hmm. or whether you put single cycle waves in or wavetables and then phase modulate audio rate or LFOs even, if it'll do CV at the outs, um, it's pretty crazy. Um, there's the stereo in, but then there's eight outputs and a mixed output. Mm-hmm. And it does say multi-tambral, so I'm wondering how many. That sort of scares me a bit, looking at it and thinking, oh, yeah, I could run eight different parts off this thing. Mm. I'd, I'd turn the computer on, I think. <laughs> well, <laughs> right. yeah, but you know what? I just picked this up the other day, and I'll, sh- I'll show it to you guys real quick. Um, I just got this the other day. Um this is the VC8, which is eight VCAs, and I got the mixer to go with it. Um, oh, wow. And soon hope to have the envelopes to go with it so, like, I can run eight channels. And I'm not saying that I'm planning for it. <laughs> <laughs> but you're not saying, but you're saying, though. But I'm not saying I'm not. <laughs> mm-hmm. well, that'd be pretty slick, Tim. You, you get, it. like, one row with the assimilator and that VCA and the, the mixer that you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about I just that. have a feeling that that thing is going to is going to be sampling in a different mindset like yeah. and I'm open to hear it because one thing that if you watch me on other shows where we talk about like you know regular synthesizer like uh monosynths and polysynths and whatnot um non-modulars uh one of the things that I constantly bring up is you know it's great that people are doing clones and they're they're doing this and that and I'm like there is so much in the software world and even hasn't been explored in just the software world alone that hasn't been done in synthesis yet. That is like the technology is there. People just need to capitalize on it. So I don't want to go. I'm, I'm really hoping for something different with this. Like I'm hoping that, yeah, it can be that kind of, you know, oscillator type thing that's something totally unique and you know i'm ready for that kind of i just don't want to prejudge a module before it comes out actually i hope that it's something totally different because i think that's what we're ready for me personally i like to kind of ride the i mean in in hip-hop there's pretty much you know a standard couple of things that you do when you have (laughs) you know what i mean which is why i like digging into modular and kind of uh pushing myself towards the edge of that convention that we do in hip hop. So with something like that, with, with a reputation, like what Rossum has, um, I kind of feel like it will be something totally different. And that if you come at it with preconceived notions, like thinking, um, and I, I've even said it. Oh, oh, SP twelve hundred in a module, and that ain't yeah, well, that's. I think we all thought that when it, yeah. when we first heard it. Like when I first saw him at Nam, and I was talking to him, and he was like, "Yeah, and we got this sampler coming." And it was like as soon as he said the word sampler, you it's like, yeah, your brain starts right. freaking out. But but then you got to look at it a little bit. With, you know, a little bit closer and look at the layout of it and you see the loop modes on it. You see um, the, you know, the way the inputs are set up, the way the outputs are set up, you know, that kind of stuff. It, it, 
makes me hope to see something interesting as far as um you know synthesis is concerned yeah i mean what you've got to remember as well this guy started out making modular that was his first thing he made yeah you know, he, he, you know emu modular you know so and that's one thing you can't kind of criticize him about in the way that you could do with other manufacturers saying oh I could, you know that it's kind of the old adage that people say oh i could just do a more cv in, ins and out he's definitely everything he builds he gives you plenty of cv in and out you know and i'm sure that that's because of his legacy modular background as well you know he's not a newcomer to it that's where he started i think we should clarify for people who we're talking about yeah, and that's dave it. rossum mm-hmm. dave yeah. rossum is the guy behind emu or emu uh, i always used to pronounce it emu but that was before um i got around other people who knew about stuff <laughs> <laughs> and then i got to meet him in person too and uh, and uh he's he still has an affinity for those uh ostrich like emu birds yeah. um but yeah Dave Rossum is, you know, and of course his other, the other thing that gets you excited is the pedigree of his other modules. So the evolution and the Morpheus are both really kick-ass modules. So you have to say, okay, well, not only is he back into modular, but he's doing it um, with, you know, with passion and with skill. You know, and, so and just it, to it, expand on what you said too, Ken, for, for those who don't know Dave Rossum, he is the guy behind Emu, and Emu is the company that made the SP12 and the SP1200 uh, samplers. So mm-hmm. gives us some perspective. And Emacs, and uh, what what else did he do? Um, a ton of, he did a bunch more stuff yeah. that everybody's looking like the emulator and things like yeah, that. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. So he's kind of, you know, he's, he's a legend in a few different sectors, effectively. Any one of those, and he'd be. A legend, but he's yeah, but yeah to be exactly. About three, you know, touched yeah. has been like, holy crap, that that's awesome, you know. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm excited about everything that he does. Honestly, like, I don't have the Morpheus yet, but dude, I want that. Like, before the show started, I was showing the EMU MP7, and I was talking about how much I love this thing. Um, but mine's kind of broken, and you I still am constantly. You, you did like like that's by. I, yeah, I do, I do, I do it. De- deal with it. People can, you know what? You know what? If these if these UK bastards can say can say move, then I can say EMU. Okay, so whatever. <laughs> but but yeah, this thing has the Z plane filter in it, and that's one of the reasons why I love it. Is that Z plane filter is awesome, mm-hmm. and the Morpheus is just. Yeah, I want that. Somebody should give me one. Listen, just just since we're talking about Rossum, this evolution filter is yeah. probably one of my most favorite filters. I mean, see yeah. the ladder filter, but I mean, nah, this is this is like ladder filter on crack. <laughs> it, it really brings something new to the game. Like I was around at, at Ben's place, and yeah, you know, it's probably one of the most you know, there's filters and there's filters and there's filters, and you can get a bit snow blind with filters in uh, Europe. Mm-hmm. And I was around at Ben's place, and I just saw when this is the only filter you ever need. Mm-hmm. Effectively, if you were ever going to buy one, as far as ladders so are concerned, good. I would I would say yeah. yeah, you're probably right. You know, I mean, that, yeah. good that lord, good. I mean, the yeah. amount of variance that you can get out of that thing is pretty wild. Mm-hmm. Well, that was um, that was the Morpheus. Um, Filter that Matthew was on about, but everything. Yeah. On oh yeah, Plum- oh, yeah, because it has so much in that thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree oh, with that. Well, um, yeah, super fast. Playing with that, and then your stuff that I've seen you do, Corey, with the evolution ladder filter. Yeah, that just fills me with 
sort of excitement for anything that he did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're never ever going to buy one filter. I mean, obviously that's just an exaggeration, but it really, it really did grab me when I saw it. And it's been it's taken a long time for a filter to kind of grab my attention for a while. And that's that's what I like about the stuff that he's doing. He's just not replicating things in the past and going, oh yeah, I, I made the Morpheus. Let's just stick that into this module. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. really taking it somewhere again. You know, that's a t-shirt right there, man. You're never ever gonna buy just one filter. (laughs) (laughs) See, that's what happens when great minds get together, right? Things happen. (laughs) T-shirts happen. T-shirts happen. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we were talking about just before the show started. I'm gonna jump around. I want to get around to all in one units too, but it kind of feels like you know the the next thing that makes sense to talk about since we talk about Eurorack samplers is like I kind of want to get you guys thoughts on the MPCX having CV and mm. like what what kind of things that may be ushering in or what your guys' thoughts on it, just in general. Anybody else? Yeah. I'm saying. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, like I say, we, 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 we do this on our show. We talk about a ton of stuff off camera and then go, we should have said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just, I I think it's fantastic. And, and you know, take my hat off to Akai for doing that. I think that's such a, a great idea. And it was a little bit, unsuspected for me personally but i would have just liked to have seen that on the kind of uh, live kind of version of it you know yeah. yeah that that's one of the things that i think I've, I've mentioned a couple times and that we spoke about like before the show yeah you're right i think that's a big miss um and i know some of the guys from akai watch the show from time to time so Hold the presses. Put CV on that live, man. <laughs> hey, can I, can, Corey, can I talk about what I what I had basically discussed with you? Like we discussed this a while back, yeah. but um, so the live and the X to me are brilliant in design because it's rare that somebody makes um, a sampler unit and then has like a light version of it. And I have to have both. And yeah. they did something brilliant, and that is they put a, a lipo battery in the live. Mm-hmm. So if I want to sit in the car or if I want to take it to a show, I can do that. And they didn't do that in the X, but they gave it CV. So if I want to have it linked to my big system, I can. And what what got me really thinking is the fact of the ES8. Now, granted, the ES8 is not – it's not cheap by any – any means i mean really if you look at decent audio interfaces they're in that same price range you know this is just a very specified one so it doesn't offend me at the price point i mean i bought one you know so um what what it gets me thinking about is as long as the functionality is the same you know i'm happy but the problem is there's no adat on the live that's what kills me because if it had adat I could plug into an ES8, get the same functionality CV-wise. You know, you still lose the 16 encoders, which I think is wonderful that they put scribble strips on it. That's huge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if it just had ADAT, so I don't even want the CV so much. I want the ADAT because then I can, put, I can put – I can put – you know what, though? Yeah, but you don't have unlimited room on it. So to me, it's like, yeah, dude, just put the ADAT on there, yeah. and then I can put a module in my rack, and I'll be happy. Could you just use a like Motu with DC coupled in inputs or outputs rather? Well, first off, first off to clarify, none of those Motus have DC coupled inputs, which is a huge right. aspect of that kind of stuff. Um, 
The other thing would be that if you have ADAT, let's say you go to a partner studio, right? And you want to work with their gear. You can take it and just unplug an ADAT cable and plug the ADAT. You don't have to change all the connections of somebody's studio. You just do a simple ADAT cable, right? So to me, ADAT is is sorely lacking on that thing. That's the only thing that I really personally am irked with. Um, you know, I've talked to Dan from Akai about how I'd rather the screen be on the opposite side, but that's a personal preference. But to me, the ADAT thing is is the lacking factor because that really hamstrings the amount of connectivity you have in standalone mode. Now, of course, when you hook back to a computer, you can use an audio, like I could plug into my Claret, oh, the, the the Claret 8.3, can, and then I can oh, use I the ADAT from that. But in standalone mode, you're, you're a bit hamstringed. You know yeah. what? Uh, the standalone, the, it makes sense that it would have ADAT just because the 5,000 had it and the 4,000, didn't 4,000 mm-hmm. have ADAT? Yeah, 4,000 had ADAT. Yeah, so those are the, those are the latest flagship um, NPCs and they all had ADAT connection. So, you know, Ren didn't, but it's a controller. So to me, if you're talking about bringing back a flagship standalone you should have ADAT and the reason is because that's that easy way to connect to something in your Euro rack like uh whichever one it is an ESA yeah what is it the three ES3 and stuff like that like I have over here but that's connected to my um my interface so Uh, and hold on Pat Brady makes make does make a point about how the um the ES8 is class compliant which is awesome so you can you you should be able to I should say use the USB interface of the ES8 with it standalone like that. However, if you do that, you're going to lose your standard inputs and outputs. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. like, if you're still trying to sample in and out and send, like, now those don't become dedicated CV in and outs. They become part of your system. And that, that to me, is a little bit of an issue. Now, granted, it the ES8 being so awesome that it is has ADAT on it so you could get another module but then again we're getting back into the situation where we're quadrupling our price points here you know what I mean yeah I think stuff like the MPC live the new one or even like the MPD you know MIDI controllers and stuff if if someone made a, a decent sort of those pads just archive pads with eight trigger outs you know mm-hmm. MIDI USB whatever but just interface designed for CV gate clocks and stuff like that. I think they'd do well because you've only so much room for controller stuff in modular. It can only go free you high before you're on the next roll. So you can't make a module any bigger than that. Mm-hmm. You can make expanders that go up the rack or, you know, whatever. But to actually have faders that don't have to be this big because the module's only this big. Yeah. And mm-hmm. buttons and touch pads and, I mean, stuff like pressure points, I absolutely love that thing. It's been yeah. well, a pair of them has been in myself for a really long time. Yeah, me too. The sliders and things on the performance mixer are great, but if it's live and it was techno or heavier hip hop or something that's just a bit more like some movement to it, mm-hmm. want to throw things around and push and finger drum, and there's kind of nothing. The format doesn't suit that, so I think you've got to get out Step of Pro yeah. and uh, Arches. Yeah. Yeah, there's two things come to my mind. And and listen, BeatStep Pro, I'll be the first person to say a lot of people seem to have a love-hate relationship with the BeatStep Pro. Um, you know, there's 
there's some distract detractors to its build and this and that I've been lucky in, in that, um, you know, my, mine has been working rock solid. I've, I baby the hell out of that, that USB connector on it. Um, because I, I am not a fan of micro USB connectors at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that I babied that aspect of it, but I use it a ton and I don't really have issues with it. You know what? I've got it as I was just flashing it up on the screen. It's literally there. And for some reason, I don't I don't use it for all that. I think it's almost a distraction by all the things it does, like eight pads, eight gear outputs, and that's it. I'd be more into that in a smaller size. Yeah. Uh, like or a couple of knobs on, like, well, a pressure point's not in modular. <laughs> would be cool. Um, yeah. Without having to, I mean, I have a skiff, it's buried away, so I won't grab it, but a skiff that's all controllers, joysticks, pressure points, touchpads, stuff like that. And it's really cool, but some of it's just not quite big enough because we are restricted to that free U thing. Or, mm. if, you know, if you only want a strip of four buttons, it has to go in a free U panel. So mm. lose yeah. that workflow. You know, you maybe just. You know want- what the other one is um, livid. Oh, uh, they yes. Do, they do that DIY thing that they have. With people. Yeah, they do, don't they? Yeah, it's almost like a modular controller, isn't it? You mm-hmm. can add those to, and it and it also interfaces with Eurorack power and whatnot. I believe, like, like they're they're specifically designed to work with Eurorack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that stuff is cool, but it, it, I'll be honest with you, like I said it, but it doesn't really speak to me. Like that stuff isn't. There's something about the livid stuff that is really cool, but is not for me. Um, and I think part of it might be that I am an asshole to my gear. Um, like, what does that mean? When, <laughs> dude, if you've ever seen me perform live, like kicking stuff around and stuff, uh, you have no idea. Like, <laughs> dude, when I'm performing live, like, and I'm finger drumming, like I'm slamming stuff and I'm just going, I'm throwing headphones. Like I'm doing all kinds of ridiculousness. Like I like, listen, Man, in my defense, in my defense, when I do a show, I like the people to be entertained. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I get a bit aggressive. I mean, you gotta destroy your shit, man. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But yo, when 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 I'm doing my thing, right? Like the the livid stuff, like the buttons seem really small. Like everything seems very um, very delicate a bit. But um, like even the push controller buttons are like just barely big enough for me like they're well, they're you know, just Ken, barely i have it. to mention there right there did you know and i don't know if this is common knowledge but it's been around long enough i don't think it's a matter of who should say what or whatever but did you know that livid helped um electron design the rhythm buttons like the pads itself that might explain why I can't stand them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ooh. Those buttons suck. I, I absolutely love how the rhythm sounds, and I sold it and kept the Tempest, and I and the Tempest kind of irks me on how it sounds, but like, dude, the interface is so much better. So, you know, like it, it's oh man. Yeah, the, the buttons yeah. those are not my favorite um, pads on anything. That's yeah. The worst. My the the base of my index finger that you touch them with is probably bigger than those. <laughs> yeah, I tell you what though, man. Like as far as what what Ben is talking about, as far as having like a breakout, really nice control surface. Um, I've actually kind of spoke to a few different um of the larger manufacturer companies about that same idea. Like that's something that I 
really, really want to see. Um, I personally think like Arturia is positioned to do it really well. I'd like to see the pads changed. I'd like to see um, touch controllers and that sort of thing. Um, but really like, so, so who do we have that are really kicking out CV controllers and CV things right now? Akai did the max 49. Um, mm-hmm. they had that max controller that. and that was one of the first ones. But again, that kind of goes back to Arturia cause that was designed by uh, was Glenn, Glenn Darcy. Right. So, you know I mean? Like he's kind of like the one dude that's like at a major company that's shouting out for us. Like, <laughs> so I, I'm, you know, I'm always kind of in his ear yelling like, Hey, I'd really like to see this. Hey, I'd really like to see that. But yeah. Uh, sale machines has that arches controller, which is really cool. But again, to me, faders and pads are two totally different monsters. Like, yeah, oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like, as far as how they work and everything, like, and how I want them laid out, very, very different. So, to integrate them to those two into a controller that everybody likes, you have to ask: Well, do you want a four by four layout? Do you want a um, a two by sixteen layout, or what is it, two by eight layout? Do you want um, the octave layout like the ASRX and MP7 had? Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I won't mention the the other machine that died in in, in the fire. <laughs> what machine? Um, is that? You got to mention it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, the other one that has octave pads that that everybody oh, the, likes the to rag bang. on. <laughs> I did a sound pack for it and it never came out. It hurts my heart. So. <laughs> well, the beat thing almost—I mean, well, it came out, but it was kind of like, you know. Oh, it was out. It was out. It was, it was just, out. Good lord, was that that thing had so much potential? Oh, it had a lot of people potential, use it on it Instagram, was, man. It was one of those things where, like, you you might get beat up if you get spotted with a a beat. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's kind of the if way you're I buying I interview, it goes I like this. if the you're buying movie. your beat machine at at Best Buy, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but but see, so there's a thing with with beat thing. I interviewed Homeboy. He's a cool cat. It he was is, a three part interview, and I had somebody yelling at me like, "How could you dare interview that dude? You know that that thing is ridiculous. It's the reason nope. for the divorce. It's the reason for the world famine. <laughs> it's the reason for." <laughs> you know I mean? It was like, yo, you talk about uh, what was his name, like Lazarus or whatever. Or, uh, I can't. Oh. He was on the NPC forums a lot. Yeah, yeah, he he was actually a real cool cat. It was the other cats in the business that were an issue. But besides that, my point being is is that pads versus faders, and like if you're gonna put it into a controller section, you have to decide what you're doing. Are you doing it for step? sequencer guys are you doing it for finger drummers are you doing it for um you know these electro heads that have their own way of working you know like there's lots of different workflows just like samplers where it's really personal so to me the space is wide open for a lot of different styles but the problem is is that as much as we all use modular it is still a niche product it's still a very small uh marketplace just going on what you said, Ken, about, you know, this guy wanting to do this or this or this or this, divide that down to like 5% of those people and yeah. have modular and want to work this way or that way or whatever. Um, the two things that would be cool, and I guess I could try it out over midi, um, would be, do you remember the Behringer, was it the BCF and BCR controllers? Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think Daft Punk took a pair of the BCRs out. That in front of a modular could be pretty cool. 
You are not kidding. Yep. Those sliders, you know, good sort of 12 centimeter throw sliders. Those they were really were good. Like they were one rock of the solid. First things. Those were one of the first things that they did in a while that everybody was just like, I don't care what you say about Behringer, I'm getting I'm it. Yeah, right. that's true. <laughs> You're absolutely right. They were, they were just really kind of people just show up when they got those. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they were everywhere. Um, I think they're still pretty sought after, actually. And that's the thing is, like, they had, uh, what is it, the X control that was supposed to follow up after it. And, like, the only reason those things haven't blown up, because those got motorized control and everything, too. The only reason those things haven't blown up is because you don't see them anywhere. Like, but what's the it was like they, they debuted, like, six NAMs ago, and everybody was like, well, where are they? <laughs> so what's the price point? Because the, the difference is these things were pretty reasonable, though, right? They were sub 200 pounds here, I think. Yeah. So, you know, it was easy for people to have like several of these in their rig and their setup and be able to control everything. It had little readouts at the top that made things a little easier. But like it was one of those things. It's reasonably Mm -hmm. priced. And it doesn't take up a ton of space. They're chainable or whatever it was. And and you can configure them for any and every kind of workflow that you might have. Well, it's like well, Ken, the point that Ken mentioned about, you know, people have got a different way where they may use faders or they may use knobs or pads. What I did like about this particular uh, design approach that they did is not to try and combine everything in one magic box, is to go, well, someone may just want a bunch of faders. Mm-hmm. There yep. you go. The, yeah, exactly. Here's your knobs there. Yeah, and trying to, trying to make a magic box that's everything to every man, you know. Yeah. And motor, they were motorized at that. So that that was another thing that a lot of people seem to keep leaving out is, you know, yeah, yeah we do want motorized faders. It's really, really helpful. Um, same mm. with uh, the the encoders all had LED layouts on them so that you could know where yeah. your encoder was. So it wasn't about like worrying about jumping or anything. Like if yeah. you had the, what was it? The Novation SL series. I love those things, but... You know, when you're using the faders, they weren't motorized faders. So you had, you know, jumping and whatnot to deal with. Um, mm-hmm. That was another really cool one. This is the X-Touch Compact that I'm showing right now. So this is like it, kind yeah. of like their newer version. Um, it's close to the same price point that these things were originally at, I think. Um, but the point being like, yeah, if somebody did stuff like this and included CV with them. Yeah. Oh. That'd be so dope. Yeah. Yeah. True. Somebody make that happen. But when I see like that Behringer there with the um, sliders or the old BCF, it, the one with all the knobs on, yeah, you're not going to get 32 CV outs on the back or something like that. But <laughs> it seems like massive by native instruments that have macros and there's plenty of soft synths that do now. Yep. But having a, a macro in modular that controls cutoff, wavetable type, delay time, reverb mix. I think people kind of forget that. And maybe people get really clever with how they're multing and splitting and inverting and scaling everything. And they've got really complex sort of logic modules running all these changes trickling through a system. But to actually just have something in a very typical live electronic music fashion where you can just go get bigger and everything like the release times come up, the reverb swells or it all gets percussive. I think there's not enough of that really. I mean, you can do it with the modules that are out there, some of the controller stuff, but not a big bank of faders. I think that'd be really useful. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Even if they were, they were like touch strips or something, something yeah. that was deep and had yeah. the longevity and didn't even have mechanical connections that were eventually going to go bad or something just like that'd be huge that's a good point 
the the ones I do that with, and I know Richard Devine does the same. Are those little light strips from oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, they're really good. Yeah, I've been about getting a bunch of those. <laughs> so super cheap as well. I think they're like yeah, they do. I've got pounds. six of them. <laughs> well, there you we go. Got, you got six of them. Yeah, <laughs> just really good. They're really good for that for that reason. Oh, that's exactly what I use them for as well. See, I've been thinking with that ER three hundred one because you can have the mixer section be all digital on the inside. I mean, you can make crazy yeah. FM voices and stuff, and have control of the yeah. operators all with yeah. just light strips or something. Yeah, that's- and that's the other thing is that um, using that stuff in, in, in those kind of archaic ways like that. Dude, it would it would really be great to have like a box that has just a bunch of inputs and you could turn it all into a macro. Like send all these inputs and then maybe have like a digital strip so that you could say the amount of that input and then put it all to one macro and then have the outs, you know? I would love that. That's kind of what the R301 is, man. I hope. <laughs> I hope I got well, it. Well, right. I got it pre ordered coming in, in June. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I got it right because I got my house mortgage yeah. on it. Yeah, the real talk. That Juno 60 is being sold so that I can get it. I'll be really bummed. Oh, <laughs> see, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly against selling uh, vintage gear. I know. Uh, like, even if you don't need it, I'm like, no, dude, just keep it. Just keep it. Hide it. Put it, well, well, for put it somewhere away. Keep your vintage gear because the prices are skyrocketing. You may never be able to get oh, it yeah. again. <laughs> well, that, and, and beyond that, beyond that, that stuff is going to um, get broken, disrepaired by the more owners that have this stuff, the fewer people who have the money to properly repair them. And I'm like, dude, 20 years from now, where will the original mini Moogs be? You know, in my garage. Like, yeah, the reissues are cool and all, but where will the originals be? Where will the original SEMs be, you know, 20 years from now? I'm like, man. And you know what? The, the market could drop out completely. People could be like, you know, by that time, we all have augmented eyeball synthesizers and this and that. <laughs> um, and that's that's all well and good. But there's going to be this little niche of like super rich bastards that are going to be like i'm gonna pay 30 grand for that sim <laughs> yeah you're probably right though because that's what happens now i mean you get stuff where 10 years 10 12 years ago you can get stuff for a little bit of nothing and then somebody does an article on it you know it could be any one of us <laughs> next thing you know every all of our followings are like i need one of those and the prices skyrocket away yeah it happens look dude look at the dx7 like everybody was like, meh, DX7, throw it in the trash, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and now they're going for for over $300 easy. And you're like, well, wait a second, huh? We, we, we were, that was a doorstop. Yeah. Like, what? But hey, man, what happens? Things change. And that's like, and that's digital. That's something that can technically be emulated, but it's like, you know, people still want, uh, some people want the DX2 with the cleaner sound. Some people want the DX1 with that dirtier sound, you know. Well, it's Casio FZ1, and when people found out that's all over AFX Twins' work, they went right up. Just yeah. circling back to um, workflow stuff, the pin matrix, like an EMS oh. Symphony. Mm. Really cool. I want that, actually. Pinley's good enough to even send you a little dry white marker, write what you want on there. That's Scribble. awesome. Wipes up. Yeah, they're really good. Pins. <laughs> It's really cool, actually, just taking loads of different LFOs in. That and, like, the WMD switch matrix 
feeding bits of this and having sequential switches and yeah, it's really nice actually. Yeah, I've I've actually been considering getting one of those for a while just because yeah, it's it's really cool. And especially if you have like, you know, loads of different voices and you want to yeah. just send modulations out in different yeah. ways to those voices yeah. and that kind of stuff. Um the the other one is uh what was it? The RYO paths. RYO paths can do some good you know, granted it's way less um you know, way less pathways than, than a matrix, but it's really cool to have something where you can send a bunch of things into one thing and then kind of manipulate what's coming out later on, you know? I like paths for that. Um, It's not a one input, multiple output or multiple input to one output switch. Um, I'll pull it up sat here with modular grid open. I like that you could. Because I was about to ask, what is that? uh, (laughs) Okay, let's see. So it's a switch that's got inputs to go forwards or backwards nice. in terms of clock. So you can make it step back and forwards. Uh, it'll do two, three, or four steps. You can CV control it instead of um, clocks forwards and back, reset and hold. You can do all that on the switches. It's like Ken was saying, you might have multiple voices and think, I want to take the modulation from voice one and modulate voice three at the same time swapping over the envelope from voice two to voice four mm. and everything switches like sort of round robins around the outputs. Yeah. That's the yeah, I've, got, I've got one right up in here. Um, right up in Pachow. Yeah. Super useful. <laughs> <laughs> like my sound effects. Yeah. The sound effects. I had to use a phone gene to make that sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> So, hey, like, let me, we were going to talk about uh, all-in-one units, but I don't think that's as fun as the stuff we've been talking about. So, uh, uh, can I just say, can I just say Studio Electronics should really send me a Tone Star? Yeah. They should send all of us Tone Stars. Yes. Well, here, that would sound it, awesome. Since, Dude, I want to so bad. that, then I may as well say that I got a special delivery of a Tone Star, the only one that exists since uh, we live near each other. Mark <clears> St. <throat> Regis brought me to check out. It's, oh, nice. It's I told my wife star. I should move. <laughs> yeah, you should be in <laughs> California, man. Um, it's the Tone Star. You've just been talking about abusing and divorcing equipment and getting drunk and mistreating it. Hey, I like- never said getting drunk. I never, you said that. <laughs> well, I never said that. I don't get you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Drinking bourbon and slapping the equipment around. Never. Ne- <laughs> not me. Job. I'm not that dude. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Uh oh. No, dear. All right. So this is it. Yeah. Uh, is that the Folk Tech? Yeah, one? it's the Folk Tech uh, 5089. And it, yeah, he's got that that folk tech panel and now did you ever find out does that have the 2600 and 5089 or is it just one of the filters or what's going on uh in the back panel there uh, actually i think it does have the 2600 filter on it um now is it both or is it just the one i think it's both yeah like, that's i'm not, I'm not i can't see where you switch between the two because you would have to take it out yeah right yeah you would have yeah, to take it out. To take it's it out. probably so behind there 20. on a jumper or something. So what it is, it's like a third layer, I think. If I remember from the night I put it in here. It's like, you know, you have the the panel, the the PCB board, then there's mm-hmm. a socket on the back of that. So it's that extra layer on the back of there. It's, it's about 
that thick or something like that. Yeah, man. Studio Electronics is like, honestly, when people talk about like Moog clones and this and that, um, my thought is like, yeah, Moog is trying to clone Studio Electronics. <laughs> like they do that sound so well that I'm just like, ah, oh. yeah, I, I would rather have that than a Mother 32 any day. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's true. Well, that's the thing with me and Greg had some good time on a <laughs> well, just cutting that. We had some good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't say any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> with the original tone start, which is the app style filter, which sounded is sounds amazing. Obviously, obviously, they've got the new Juno one, so they're swapping out these sort of classic filters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Faultech's not someone I imagine for filters at all. Yeah. So what what does the Faultech one do differently? I don't know that it does anything. It's just the panel it's design. The panel. Yeah, it's just the panel. Yeah, design. I think it's just the panel design. It's just a really cool, sexy panel design. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. I want that original tone star. That original tone star from being at yours, Ben. The thing that I really liked about it was the drive on it. Mm-hmm. We drove it a lot. I mean. My friend here, but kind of, you can get some proper Wazdo stuff out of it, um, which is kind of what we got going when we were there. Mm. And the envelopes into it as well. It's just, it's perfect for that kind of stuff. You're right. You're really, right. really rich. Oh. Well, it was at Superbooth last year, wasn't it, uh, Ben? We when we went up to see those guys, and we were kind yeah. of they had it they had it in the rack, and we were thinking, oh yeah, you know, synth voice in a panel. Yeah, yeah, you know, weren't that really interested? Yeah. And then when it, they turned it on, it was like, all right, yeah, this is something special, you know. Yeah, and there's there's stuff. I mean, their rack units are phenomenal. Like their sound has always been, you know, the truest sound. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, their stuff. I, I'm kind of so I've been messing around, and, and Ben knows this. I talked to him. Not Euro rack, right? You're talking about the the. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about their 19 inch rack. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so like the SE1, yeah, SE1X, Omega, um, you know, Omega Code, all that stuff is ridiculously awesome. And you know, they started as basically like a Moog repair company. Mm-hmm. Like they started yeah. as guys that were just repairing mini Moogs, and then they went on to start. Um, turning mini Moogs into the MIDI Moog, which was a rack unit that was controlled over MIDI. And then they went further and further and further. But if you ask me like their, their evolution of sound of like the raw filters and oscillators and that kind of stuff, there's something about Moog that, you know, people can say whatever they want about, you know, okay, this person's trying to do that sound and this sound. If you turn a Moog, uh, filter. I don't care which version either, like Slim Fatty, um, Sub Fatty, or yeah. Mini Moog, or Voyager. Doesn't matter. Like if you go low on the notes with their oscillators, they sound so thick and huge in a way that most oscillators don't. Mm. Like most oscill, like even like a square wave oscillator, you'll get like this kind of sharp, clicky sound. Their stuff has like this big booming sound That's at the end, own. you know. Yeah. And Studio Electronics is one of the few people that have always maintained that raw sound. Like it just sounds like vintage Moog to me. That's know? the key. Yeah. It sounds like vintage Moog. Honestly, some studio electronic stuff sounds more Moog than some modern Moog stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. 
which is a weird so, thing. That's weird. And that's what me. makes me like yeah. a huge fan of their stuff. Now, granted, they do some they do some digital stuff too that sounds completely different. Mm-hmm. But like their dude, their analog stuff is not to be trifled with. Like they they they're raw with it. Well, here's I the think thing. The only- go go ahead. Go. Sorry, go ahead, Corey. Oh no! Well, I was just going to say the. <laughs> I'll I'll just quickly say listen. So I was just going to say when you say the digital stuff, I just got a Quadnik again. I had sold it and I just got it back again. Before when I had it, I didn't run it through analog filters. Now Quadnik through an analog filter blows my mind. It's like one of the greatest right. sounding things I could imagine. Yeah. It's a digital os- oscillator, but through a the analog filter like the uh, uh, Evolution. Oh gosh. It's great. Yeah. Wow. So what were you going to say, Greg? I think the only other one you're saying uh, kind of more Moog than Moog. The only other one I heard like that, uh, and I borrowed Ben's for a while, is the Bird Kid stuff. Oh, um, the Bird Kid stuff, really? Yeah, because I've heard good yeah. things, but I've not, I've never touched one or seen one in person. So yeah. I'm interested in that as well. Uh, ben has one there. I borrowed this for a while, and it, I was. How do you guys feel about the AJH? Because I don't have that either. Oh man, the AGH and that bird kids, Jesus Christ! The AGH, I think, is the best synth voice I've ever heard. Wow, yeah, it is incredible. I hate you guys. (laughs) Just making my wallet hurt. (laughs) Honestly, it really is something different. It really is. Is he really does know his stuff, doesn't he? When it comes to that, yeah, Alan's attention to detail and just how good of a guy he is as well. I mean. That's kind of irrelevant when we're just talking gear, but he's great to speak to. It's not, though. It's not, though, because it's kind of like getting a tattoo. Like, if you get a tattoo from, like, a racist asshole, like, you're not going to be really happy about that tattoo in the long run. You're going to be like, oh, there's always going to be this little tinge. (laughs) But when you buy it, it's the same when you buy a piece of gear. If you find out that that dude who who was building that piece of gear is an asshole, like, it kind of, like, always taints the gear to me. It does. Because a a cool dude that that heads up a company is going to always endear you to the product of the company, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it may seem like a cliche, but it's definitely, you can feel that his passion He's in his yeah. product, and he's really done his homework. And they are, they they just they just fit right, don't they, Ben? They just fit really well. In yeah. stuff. that's yeah. awesome. That's I mean, well, that's good to know. It's seriously good to know because those are some some modules that have been kind of like on my hey, I'd really like to check that out for a while list. His, um, his ring modulator is just something else that's really, really? brings something that's different awesome, to the party. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like, forget what you think you know about a ring modulator. Is because I thought, yeah, yeah, ring modulator, you know, it's quite a simple effect. His is amazing. It really yeah. is unique. Well, I was super booth last year on the taxi ride back from the Funk House back into the centre yeah. of Berlin. And he was te- or on the way there. I can't remember which way he told us. But um, a ring modulator that's got three inputs rather than two. So it's got like a second Y input to modulate the modulator two sub generators but the subs like when you get square wave subs and they're just really fatty and thick and too big to use in a mix i think at something like 120 hertz it's a perfect sine wave sub but then as it gets lower the sine just squares off enough that it's got some presence as it gets lower but it's never a square wave it's never that like like ken was saying that clicking low yeah yeah yeah. Yeah. it's smooth um, so you got the two sub generators, and then it's five channels of CP3 based mixing that clips. So that you put some, clipping. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you put something into the ring mod, and usually, like FM, you take it so far that you lose the fundamental, you lose all the low end, you're left with this dissonant, clangorous yeah. kind of stuff that's good for percussion, but a bit too atonal for most things. You can bring all the fundamental back in the sub. It's really warm and thick and fuzzy, and yeah, it's, it's really... It's such a good module? module. What's it called? <laughs> Is it just ring modulator? What's this? SM ring module. SM ring module? Ring SM, yeah. Hmm. Yep, may have to look into but, that. Uh, yeah, I'll, okay, I'll pull it up just for a second. Um, just, yeah, absolutely killer bit of kit. I mean, like I said, I know, yeah, the person does affect it. Ken, Ken's completely right about that. But taking Alan out of the equation and just talking like raw sonic quality, that AGH is absolutely stunning. Yeah. The, the mini mod voice, like the first, the, the mini mood voice he came out with. Um, things like audio rate PWM, but then getting that to track pitch that's so really musical and melodic, but all these overtones you don't usually hear. Yeah. Uh, or Moog, seen as Ken had a go at us all earlier. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even Dr. Moog says he don't care which one you call him because part of his family yeah. says it one way and the other part of his yeah, family that's true. another. So. Yeah, exactly. He used to have a little thing on his desk, didn't he? So it was Moog as in Rogue. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, right. <laughs> that's classic. So, hey, man, I think, you know, we're uh, obviously I knew we were going to go over a little bit and I think this conversation could probably go on all day. I appreciate everybody for stopping (laughs) by the show. And uh, I don't know where Ken disappeared to. He probably fell into some hole digging for gear. Oh, yeah, he probably. But he has the bourbon on his desk right there. If you I'm going to you can see it. He's in a slump under the desk. Yeah, he's up under the desk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, just just to, uh, to speak on that thing one nam we were we went to get these burgers and it was like four or five of us there and there's they they had all these crazy uh milkshakes and there was one milkshake with bacon and bourbon and oh yes and, and, <laughs> and of course can't order that right milkshake bacon and bourbon dead gone to heaven that's it. that was like seriously though man if it had a patch cable in it it would have been done yeah but look, look ken's like i can't taste the bourbon i'm gonna need another shot and so i always yeah, have I this did. image of him pouring bourbon into the bacon milkshake saying this mo bourbon mo bourbon mo bourbon <laughs> that, that was actually the image that you used on the first uh it is people <laughs> podcast first, it was me right. pouring the bourbon into the my milkshake. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry, man. Mo bourbon. I'm gonna make that my ring. Mo bourbon. You call me. It's yeah. gonna say that. Mo bourbon. Mo bourbon. <laughs> you know what? That was a good time though. And but that see that gives that goes right back into the it de- it depends on the people who make the products. Mm-hmm. You know, you can trust listening to our podcast because we're all good people. That's right. <laughs> and there's bourbon and there's coffee. <laughs> Lee, Lee is not running down the streets like punching old ladies in the face. You can you can be assured. <laughs> but, all right, so I'm not sure note, about Greg though. Uh, on that note, uh, if you all got anything you want to want to plug before we close uh, and then we're going to close it on out and say uh, thanks for everybody for joining. Anybody got anything you want to plug on the way out? I have a show. 
I l- let me just get this out of the way real quick. I have a show right after this at 4 p.m. So in a half hour, I'm going to be doing another show after this. And I'm going to be talking uh, with Scott Weidman, who is the guy who makes the Hive touch synthesizer. All right. um, and this is going to be on my channel, which is youtube.com forward slash flux 302, right? 302. So it's it's like a Kickstarter that he's doing right now. That It's a 60 voice analog synth. Um, it's all touch plate and crazy. What's that? Six zero sixty. Yeah, sixty voice analog synth, which I I have not played it yet. Um, but I'm gonna be grilling him like crazy about it because I'm super interested in it. Ask him if that's like some sort of additive thing. Um, when as soon as you say six, I don't want to get I don't want to get deep into it because we're gonna be on there. If any of you guys want to join me on the show, feel free. I'll send you the join link. But um, yeah, it's going to, it's, it's, I think it's like a single oscillator that's tuned to that pitch per touch. So, um, oh, yeah, there's an old cog synth that worked like that 61 keyboard and every yeah, it did. oscillator. Every yeah, single yeah. I think it's kind of like that, but it's a touch plate and it's, and it's, wow. it's only about this big. It's very small. So it's got like a hex keyboard and it's got a regular uh yeah. you know, traditional well, layout as well. Xylophone joint then but yeah. 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 I've seen some of the pictures of it. It looks it does look good. Yeah, so I'm I'm doing that right after this show. So that's at four o'clock. And also uh keep an eye out on fluxwithit.com because I've got new drum packs that are coming out this week. So word this so, upcoming week. So Greg, what you what you want to plug or say in closing? Just say to plug our uh super boost coverage coming from Thursday coming. Um, we'll be putting out stuff from Superboot. Oh, very cool. I'll be glued to it. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. I may even repost some of you guys' stuff on B-Boy Tech Report. To yeah, go for it. That, that was going to be, I think, if you want modular content covered by people that know modular, watch yeah. the three of us. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm hype I'm hyped about your coverage, man, because I know that Audio Damage is going to have their new modules there, which I'm super hyped to see. Well, it's, uh, the same, it's the same as when you guys go to NAM and, and Ken talking about modular with people and stuff. Like, I know what sort of questions you're going to ask, and I tr- trust your judgment, and I know you. Yeah. I, I know that you know you know what you're on about. Right. So yeah. then a big channel going and just covering a bit of everything and just saying, hey, tell us what you have. And then they just go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah, the yeah. same coverage that It's by people who, yeah. it, people who are using the equipment, talking to the people who make the equipment. Exactly. And that's what you need. And not being afraid to ask a couple of pressing questions if it doesn't look like it does something or it doesn't work. Or mm-hmm. just, being, yeah. just being sort of from a user point of view. Yeah, from Thursday, we're going to have some stuff up live. Um, we should shout out AGH and uh, Steve at Funk. Uh, helping um, sort of sponsor the stuff. There's going to be some ads from them, and oh, cool. out. Uh, completely nothing to do with why we raved about the. Age. That's what I was just about to say. I was like, we should be clear that I knew nothing about that. Like when I brought that up, I knew nothing about that. I'm I'm on record way before all that talking about the AGH yeah. stuff and saying how good yeah. it is. Well, hey, good yeah. product is good product. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so, um, <clears throat> uh, Lee, what about you, man? What, what you got coming up? Yeah, not much. I don't really have much to play. You, be, you better be getting to work on on some mod bap albums. That's what's yeah, up. yes. Well, well, hopefully, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, hopefully the the new setup changes will 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 get some stuff going with that for sure. 
No doubt. Uh, Matthew. Going on the uh, morphogene, Lee. That's what I want to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. morphogene. Yo, I want him to, to to tell Tony to let Lee do a lot of hip hop demos for morphogene. Yeah, yeah do it. Message yeah. to Tony from from the Beat People podcast. We want to right. see hip hop with modular. Yeah, I'll tell him. I was going to see Tony. Yeah. yeah. In Berlin, they say me and Lee have been chatting, and we think this is what- <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's classic. Is halfway yeah. across the world. He's like, Listen, me and Lee have been talking about this. <laughs> Y'all gonna get me in trouble with Tony. Lee's gonna come back, like, Hey, I got this pink slip. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm working for one of you guys now. <laughs> you guys are gonna that's start right. paying my check. <laughs> you get me on all your shows now. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> no doubt. So let's uh, hey Matthew, what's up, man? You want to say anything in closing? Well, yeah, it's just gonna be all about Super Bowls for for us three. And if it's anything like last year, I mean, I had the great pr- privilege of stood when I was checking out of our hotel, I was stood next to Florian Schneider from Kraftwerk. Oh wow. Oh wow. You know, and it was just like, yeah, I can go get run over by a bus now. My life is complete. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's it. I don't have to do anything anymore. Yeah, just being stood there next to him, it was just, that was enough, you know. This kind of stuff makes me want to buy a last-minute ticket and just crash yeah, in the yeah. bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Thanks for having us on, Corey. It's been cool. I'm yeah, it's been great. Years, guys. We'll yeah, shoot man. some out and get you on the show with us and sort of cross. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it, man. So, yeah, this is the the Beat People podcast. I want to thank guys from uh, Modular Podcast for stopping by. We're going to do this again on their channel at some point. I want to thank Lee for stopping by. And Ken, um, thanks for bringing the bourbon. And uh, that's what I does. Yeah, that's right. That's what I does. I like it. I love it. <laughs> so yeah. So if you're all of y'all out there, go out and support everybody on their websites. Make sure you stop by beatpeople.com uh, and purchase kits and t-shirts and there'll be more stuff to come. And uh, all right. Until next time, we are beat people. We don't hey beat guys. people. Do I, do I get that wrong every time? Ken? Oh, Let's sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me just people. say this we real quick. People. Yo, I want to apologize to people that I throw this to that are in Europe because apparently they don't like that. But in the U S this is a very <laughs> enduring term, yeah. but in Europe, they don't like it. So I'll do this. Um, yeah. So what's the I, I got a history that lesson in, on in that. Europe then. What's the equivalent of that in Europe? We don't know. Well, it's, 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 well. It's that, not okay. <laughs> well, it's, it's all kind of got mysterious in kind of. I got a really great history lesson on exactly where it comes from and why. And about archery and taking your fingers Exactly. Off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, apparently it's a myth. It's not. And, and it's all a- I got to say is that we are in the U.S. and we don't we don't really shoot too many bows and arrows because we have so many guns. <laughs> that's right. So yeah, you guys yeah. should know that. It's just yeah, one yeah. finger if we want to do one that. One finger. That's yeah. so. <laughs> that's, so I just wanted to say, here. like, because you know, I had gotten some flack about yeah. that, but in in the especially East Coast area, if you do this, it means that you're close to somebody. So it's yeah. different. Than what it is in the UK. Don't get upset about it. Whatever. No, no, no one does. <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna close. And uh, yeah, yeah. whatever piece to you and yours, whatever hand symbol. <laughs> there it is. is. Signing off. <laughs> nice one. Yeah. See you later, guys. All right, man. <laughs> Take it easy. Yes, man.